turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Filled as Pastor Sean is teaching from Acts chapter 4. So if you feel like you're running on empty because of the speed and stress of life, let's figure out how to get replenished and be filled with the Spirit so we can avoid those pitfalls of an empty soul. It's part two of a message called Living Filled. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The secret to living filled is being filled. You remember on the day of Pentecost, the people, the gatherers are there in the upper room, they pray and the Spirit comes out and they're praying and they're there, they have these manifestations of the Spirit. Some are speaking in tongues. You remember the people around them kind of over here, and they go, well, these people sound crazy. What, are they drunk? And you remember Peter gets up and, and says, no, they're not. He says, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, this is what was promised through the prophet Joel. And he quotes from the, Joel's prophecy in the Old Testament. He says, this is what was foretold, and now it's happening. And where God said, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people, your sons, your daughters, old and young. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Peter says, that's what you're seeing. And he told about how it came because of Christ. And then you remember, he preaches, and then uh, the people, are, they hear it, and they're convicted. And in Acts 2.37, they ask that powerful question. They hear it, and they go, what should we do? And remember, his answer is Acts 2.38 and 39. Listen to what he says. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let me, let me just say one problem is when we quote that scripture, we often end it before it's finished. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we st- sometimes stop it there. And that would be a grave mistake. Because he goes on and says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some people have tried to make it say, well, no, God's Spirit gives you the gift of forgiveness. And he's talking about that. Yeah, the context doesn't let you really come to that conclusion. If you listen to the sermon, you read what Peter said, he's talking specifically about this outpouring of the Spirit, talking about the tongues that they were uttering, talking about what Joel prophesied, God will pour out his Spirit. He's saying, this is it. The actual gift is the Spirit. And so many of us think, well, we, we repent, which is biblical and right, and we are forgiven, which is biblical and right, they forget the part that says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what this goes back to is our whole theology of salvation. We, we understand that, man, sin is the problem. Sin is what separates us from God. And Jesus Christ came. You know, that's why we have a cross in here. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross so God could be just and merciful all in the same beautiful moment. And he was. But we think, wow, Jesus paid the penalty. I've received that now. That Now I'm done. Thank you, Lord. That's the end. That's good. Let me just say to you very clearly, the cross is not the point of the Christian faith. And some people, when I say that, just think it's blasphemy. 
You need to understand the cross is not the point of the Christian faith. It is the essential doorway through which we must enter to actually get to the point. The point is the relationship with the Lord that we were created for. See, the problem is sin. We were created for a relationship with God that sin creates a barrier in. Jesus took care of the sin problem on the cross, but, but so many times we stop and go, okay, my sin problem is done. Okay, now I can go to heaven, and now I don't have to walk around with guilt, and that's a wonderful thing. But we forget the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence resident in us. All of it, our salvation, the very essence of our salvation is God's presence resident in us. That's the gift. That's what our salvation is. The cross is the essential doorway that we must enter to receive the gift of his presence, the gift of the Spirit. See, the secret to living filled is actually being filled, being filled with the presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit in us. So in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is giving us some very practical things that the infilling brings. Let me share a few of those with you this morning. Number one, the infilling of the Spirit brings a different wisdom. The infilling of the Spirit brings a different wisdom. We are different because of the Spirit within us. Paul said it clearly, verse 7. He said, um, I'm sorry, verse 1. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He's talking about a different wisdom. Verse 7, he then goes and says, no, we declare God's wisdom. In other words, it's different. There's human wisdom, there's God's wisdom. And then in verse 10, he said, these things are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The infilling of the spirit brings a totally different wisdom. There is a, quote, wisdom of this age. Remember, James talked about wisdom, a promise that we love to pray and we love to quote around here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. That's a wonderful promise. And I know there's a lot of times I want wisdom, and I'm thankful that that's one of those things that the word says, if you ask, God will give it. But look what James said about wisdom later on in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. In other words, it's not about words, it's something bigger. Verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and it's in quotes, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Tell us what you really think, James, huh? Verse 16 says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So he's saying there's two types of wisdom. There's kind of human wisdom, and then there's God's wisdom. And they come to very different ends. They produce very different fruit. And he's saying the Spirit, Paul said the Spirit is the one who gives you God's wisdom. James is saying the same thing. Two kinds of wisdom, human versus the Spirit's. Well, what's the difference? I think there's a couple things. First of all, God's wisdom starts with the wisdom of belief. Understand that. It starts with the wisdom of belief. We see the world differently because of God's presence. Do you realize how, how radical a worldview breaker that is? The presence of God, it changes everything for us. When we see that God is real, that the world is created, that there is a God and that he designed us and he has a plan, that idea, that for us is like normal. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the world. That's the truth. You know, a large percentage 
of the world's population do not believe that. They believe that we're it. And if that's true, if there's no God, if there's no, no creator, then it's us. And we're the top of the food chain on the planet Earth. And so it, the, what the majority of people think is right is right. And what the majority of people think is wrong, that's wrong. Well, you understand how that goes. Whenever someone says, you should do this or this is right, the, the logical question, if there's no God, the logical question is, well, who says? Who says? Well, the majority, well, the majority used to think differently, so who cares? And the majority will probably change and be different 15, 20 years from now, 30, just wait long enough, the majority will change. See, we think totally differently. We believe there is a God, he created things, there is an order to things, there is right and wrong independent of our opinions, independent of what we may think. And we think wisdom, because of that, is aligning ourselves with God's truth as he designed it and created it. That's a total different perspective. It begins with the wisdom of belief. How about the wisdom of humility? See, since we believe there's a God, we also understand we're not him, right? At least I hope you figure that out. If you haven't, I'm here to be a friend. Just think of this as a large kind of intervention for you, okay? There is a God, and you and I are not God. That is huge. And, and that, that idea, when you believe there's a God, he's creator, that creates a natural understanding and wisdom of a certain order. So, you know, obviously there's some big things that, you know, when I go into a human interaction, if I think it's all about me and I think I'm the center of the universe, that's going to have some pretty big relational implications. That's going to have some implications at my work. It's going to have some implications at how I handle my money. It's going to have lots of implications. If I think I'm God and I'm the center of my own universe, which by the way, if there's no God, that's kind of the logical conclusion. The humility that says, yeah, there's a God, and I, I'm not him. I'm not it. I've had to share that idea, and it's not because of what you might think. It's not because of arrogance. I've had to share this idea with a couple of staff members in the last few weeks, and, and it's because there's a flip side of this, too. It, it's, you know, when you're working hard, and you love Jesus, and you want to do best for your kingdom, and it matters, it's people's lives, you can start taking the whole weight of the world on your shoulders. It's really important at times like that to go, whoa, time out, time out. Um, there's a God, and you're not him. So relax, breathe, okay? You can't fix everything. You can't make everything right for every person. You're just a guy. You're just a gal. Don't worry about it. You, what you're responsible for is faithful service, okay? Faithfully obey. We're responsible for the obedience. God's responsible for the outcome. Work hard, be faithful, do what God's put before you, and then go home and get a good night's rest, okay? Seriously, and so many times we're like, no, but if I don't, then uh, and I've got to solve all the world's problems. No, you don't. You're not God. And there's such wisdom in that. Oh, oh, good. I do my best, be faithful, and then I leave the rest to him. Ah, good. Let's go get something to eat. No, I'm not letting you go. You thought, some of you thought, is he really done? No. <laughs> all the regular River City folks said, oh, no, he's not done at all. No, no, he's just getting rolling. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in a message called Living Filled, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org, where there you can also watch video podcasts of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. 
River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now the conclusion to the message, Living Filled. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. But there's a wisdom in humility. It just says, wait a minute, there's a God. I'm not him. And it changed the way you see the world. The wisdom of Scripture, because we believe this is God's word. Do you know this is, is chock full of just wisdom in every area of life? You want wisdom in handling your money so that it is fruitful and it, and it, it works in such a way that makes a difference in the world and that blesses you and blesses the world around you? Well, the Bible tells you how. When you want your marriage to be something that other people look at, go, man, their marriage is so cool. Look how they love each other. Well, the Bible tells you how to do that. You want your kids, you want to raise your kids in such a way that there's good fruit in their lives and good things happen. Well, the Bible tells you how to do that. There's wisdom. See, the spirit which inspired the scripture, the spirit which is resident in us, gives us a different kind of wisdom. The infilling of the spirit brings a whole different wisdom. That's why the secret to living filled is actually being filled. A second thing Paul points out is that the infilling of the Spirit releases supernatural power. Releases supernatural power. Remember what he said, verses 4 and 5, and these, are, these, these should make us sit up and pay attention. Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith not, might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's one of those things that, that is kind of challenging for us as a people, because we live in a very literate, publishing-oriented society, and you know we want to know who, the credentials of what expert we're going to listen to. And, and the, 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 the trick in that whole deal is if I don't like what you're saying, well, I can go find my own expert with equal credentials, or I can get my own credentials, and then, and then I can say, look at my credentials, therefore, this is truth. And Paul's like, yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't come with persuasive words, human wisdom, my credentials. I didn't come with any of that. I came in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because you see, when everybody's showing their, where they're published and their PhDs and blah, 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 and the power of God shows up, yeah, that's, the PhDs aren't so impressive. Nothing against PhDs. If you're a PhD, God bless you, you worked hard, good. But you'll be the first to admit that the power of God is different. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I didn't come to you with wise words or with human understanding or credentials. I came to you in a demonstration of the Spirit's power for a reason, so that your, your faith wouldn't be in human wisdom, but would be in the power of God. Now, what's interesting is when we look in the Scripture, because if we say what the power of God looks like, okay, we, I could, if I went around and asked in the room what the power of God looks like, we'd get all kinds of different answers. You know, we think, what was the power of God look like in Scripture? Well, you know, Jesus walked on water. That was the power of God. They healed, prayed, and healed the sick. 
You know, Jesus fed an entire crowd with a kid's lunch. All kinds of things. That's, that's the demonstration of power. Well, to be honest with you, yes, that's true. And I believe God still can and sometimes does do those kind of things. That being said, do you know by the vast majority of instances of the power of God in the Scripture were in lives that were changed? People who were totally one way and then under the power of God became totally a different way. That was by far the most common demonstration of the Spirit's power in the Scripture. And do you know that is probably right now the most important demonstration of the Spirit's power for us? We desperately need to be people whose lives are changed by the power of the Spirit. Because let me tell you, there's nothing that undermines the gospel more than Christian lives that are unchanged. Saying, oh yeah, I got Jesus, it's wonderful, let me play a praise album for you. Oh, isn't that awesome? But their life is not different. There's no difference. Because people in the world around us, they look at that and they can smell BS a mile away. And they're like, oh, that's good. So, so you listen to different music now. Wonderful, that's very nice. Oh, you don't, you don't drink, that's good. You don't drink as much as you used to. Well, that, that's a good thing. You drank too much. It's good. But yet everything's the same. I don't see life change. You know, this says you're supposed to, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Real life change. And what Paul says is, I came with a demonstration of power. Do you know we have the power to live differently? Listen to what Ephesians 3.20 says. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in the televangelists around the world. Oh, wait, that's, is that, did I get that wrong? Did I read that? Oh, I'm reading my, my, this is my TBN version. I'm sorry. I, oh, that was off. I stepped over a line, didn't I? Pastor Sean stepped over line. I apologize. According to his power that is at work within us. Let me just say it's awesome external things that happen. It's awesome the things that God does. But what he's saying is there is a power that is at work within us. We have the power to live differently. So if you're sitting here going, man, I want to live for Jesus, but there's just this thing that keeps getting in the way, this sin that I keep beating myself up over. I can't seem to get over that hump. It might be selfishness. It might be greed. It might be lust. It might be fear. It might be anger. I don't know what it is, but you do, and you've probably talked to God about it, beating your head against the wall. I want to say to you, the scripture says you have the power of the spirit to overcome that. If you're trying to use self-control to overcome that sin that so easily entangles, you are going to lose. Self isn't up to it. If self were up to it, we wouldn't need the cross. The good news is self doesn't have to do it. You have been given the Holy Spirit of God. He's resident in you. So I encourage you, next time you, you, that sin that you know, whatever it is that you just know, it keeps kicking my tail. When you start to feel that, start to walk down that road, just stop. Before you even call a friend, and sometimes it is a great thing to call a friend and just be held accountable, and that's an awesome thing. But before you even do that, just stop and say, Lord, I need your power. Lord, I don't want to walk down that road. Lord, I don't like the fruit that that brings in my life or in my family or in anything around me. Lord, I need you. And see if you don't begin to have the power of the Spirit to walk the other way. Because, man, it's a crossroads, and we can choose... To let the Spirit lead us or we can choose to let the flesh lead us.
I just want to say to you, what Paul is saying is there's a demonstration of power that's available and his power working within us. The secret to living filled is being filled, being filled with the Spirit. Third thing, Paul says, the infilling of the Spirit brings unique revelation. It brings unique revelation. He said in verses 10 and 11, he said, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You know, we're supposed to go deeper into the things of God. We're supposed to become deeper people because of the Spirit of God. And he uses that illustration. Who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? Well, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. It's interesting, this idea that the infilling of the Spirit brings unique revelation. You might go, well, what's the difference between that and wisdom? Isn't that a fine line? Well, maybe. I'm just wanting to to say the idea of revelation. I believe God wants to be able to give leadership in specific situations. He's with us. In other words, there are things that are hidden that need to be revealed for us to be able to follow. And I think God wants to do that. There are things he wants to reveal through his spirit that we don't have other ways, avenues of being made aware of. Paul's talking about a unique revelation in the context of our lives. I want to say God wants to give you wisdom in specific situations. I mean, ask yourself this question. Where do I need God to reveal what is hidden and give me specific instruction, leadership, wisdom in a situation? Maybe it's something that, at work that you're facing. You're like, you gotta, you're in a dilemma. I don't know how to do this. Well, the very spirit of Jesus resides in you and wants to give you unique wisdom and revelation for that situation. Maybe you got one of your kids who are just not themselves. They're not going in a way that's honoring God. They're not going in a way that is good for them. And you're beating your head against the wall. I think God wants to give you revelation and wisdom. Whatever the situation, I believe that what Paul is saying is he wants to reveal things to us that we could not have another way of knowing. That's why it's so important to remember the secret to living filled is being filled. And last thing. The infilling of the Spirit gives us the mind of Christ. Now, understand this. Remember when Paul said, we talked about it last week, we talk, he said, I want to know him. I want to know, I want the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him in his death. I want to know him in his resurrection. Remember when he said that? You see, our goal as followers of Christ is to become more like Christ. Well, what he's saying, he ended that passage in 1 Corinthians 2, that we have the mind of Christ. So the whole, what, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You, all you have to do is stop and say, Lord, what do you want to do? Not even what would you do, although that's a good question. Or not what did you do, that's sometimes even more informative of a question. But Lord, what do you want to do right now? Because his, Scripture says we have the mind of Christ because we have the Spirit of Christ was resident in us, his actual presence. So when you're filled, you have the capacity to know the mind of Christ. The secret to living filled is actually being filled. So you may ask the question, well, this is awesome, Sean, and that's an interesting passage of Scripture. What do you want me to do about it? Here's what I want you to do about it. I want you to seek daily the infilling of the Holy Spirit. More than just, God, I want to know what you want to say, but Lord, I want you to fill me. I want you to lead me. Seek daily the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Surrender daily to the infilling, the leadership, his presence in us. Understand that this faith of ours isn't just a different code of rules. It is a relationship with the Almighty who is resident in us. Take that for a spin. See what happens. Seek daily, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. A second thing I want you to do is tap into his presence daily in prayer. 
Remember, this infilling is not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. They were filled in Acts 2, they were filled in Acts 4, we see them being filled in other passages. It is an ongoing thing. So tap into his presence daily in prayer. Lord, fill me. When they prayed, it says they were filled with the Spirit. Well, I want to encourage us. Before you start your day, before you go out into things, tap into it. Before you go into that meeting, tap, Lord, how do you, how do you want to lead this meeting? Before you have that conversation, Lord, what do you, you want to say? Before you make that expenditure, Lord, is this something you want to do? Tap into his presence, into the infilling through prayer. That's what I want you to do. And very simply, and this is really the core of discipleship, right? Discipleship, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not complex. I want you to listen for his voice and then do what he says, because that's where the power is manifest. That's where the infilling now has its external manifestation. When I hear his voice and then I do what he says and then the fruit that he wants to bring is made manifest. Seek his presence daily. Tap into his presence through prayer and then very simply listen for his voice and do what he says and see if you don't begin to experience the fullness of the spirit in ways that maybe you've never experienced before. Imagine the body of Christ beginning to more and more live in spirit-filled power. Imagine how that changes things in our community. Imagine this church living in higher levels of spirit-filled power. Imagine what that does to our surrounding community. Imagine fewer stories of Christians and Christian leaders crashing and burning because of misplaced hunger, because of filling up at all the wrong places. Imagine a church filled with His Spirit and a world maybe doesn't understand, but they just know there's something different, and I want some of that. Lord, that's our prayer. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio, and if you'd like to hear this full message called Living Filled, or this whole series called Filled, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.